Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Monday already and we're back to work. And uh, by God, how much news there is out there. In the studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Congressman Peter King, and Rita Cosby. And Congressman, we were, we, me and you were sitting together along with the wives, uh, at, uh, mm-hmm. uh Bernie, uh, not Bernie, Sydney's, uh, and, 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 and Bill O'Reilly. Uh, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Packed house. I packed saw the video house. full. The Paramount was packed. Packed. Every seat was taken and the applause for, Bill O'Reilly, the applause for Sid were unbelievable, and and even Curtis got an applause. You believe that? So did you and Margot when uh, Sid said he owed everything to you, to John and Margot Casper. That was well, a great night. A it tremendous was a great night. night. Then, then I had to run home because six o'clock in the morning I left for Florida because you know we have a build a big building project down in St. Petersburg. I had a, we had a meeting and a press conference with the mayor down there, and. I was gone in Florida for 39 hours, and back we come. By the way, did you see a lot of New Yorkers down there, sadly? Oh, a lot of New Yorkers. I know. Isn't that sad? 540,000 New Yorkers have left, and a lot of them. The mayor of St. Petersburg was telling me a lot of them are down in Florida, and uh, we had a great press conference. And, you know, uh, the Democrats down in Florida, I know Curtis keeps Beating up on the Democrats and everything. they are—they call themselves progressive, pro-business Democrats. Well, and we need it here. By the way, I was with Mayor Adams over the weekend at Operation Warrior Shield in Brooklyn uh, to help our veterans. So, th- so that was that for a great, great mission. But you know, John, I am so troubled because I was with a lot of police officers. I was with veterans. Um, I am so concerned. We have the city council. Election coming up, and and we need to support our police in eight days. You know, I did a public service commercial. I haven't; it has not been played yet. Ah, sneak peek. Let's hear it. I haven't heard it. Let's play that public service commercial that we did for WABC. And and if I like it, if you if you guys like it, we'll 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 keep playing it until election day. This is John Katsimatidis from WABC Radio. On November 7th, vote for who's going to keep your city safe. We're coming up with the elections for New York City, which is 51 out of 51 city council seats. I believe in law and order in our city. In the last two years, we have lost 540,000 New Yorkers, New York City, New York State, to Florida, South Carolina, etc. Most of these people left because they don't feel safe in our streets. A lot of our city council members don't believe in law and order and only believe in defunding the police. I believe in law and order. WABC did back to blue, backing all our police departments and all our police officers are doing the right job. And it's not about being a Democrat, a Republican, or an Independent. But we'd like you to go out there and vote. And vote for the people that are going to keep your district safe, going to keep your borough safe, and keep your city safe. Because with a safe city, we can walk around at midnight again and not be scared. With a safe city, we can walk in our subways and not be scared. Last time, only 17% of our voters voted. If we have 50% vote, and I urge every one of you, go out there and vote. 
Pre-voting has already begun, but if you don't get to pre-voting, make sure you're there on November 7th to vote for who's going to keep the city safe. Vote for people that support the police department. A strong police department is important to bringing back all the New Yorkers that left. Back to blue. John Katzmatidis. Bravo. Important message. John, you like it? it first and wonderful. foremost, it's wonderful. nothing, nothing else matters if you don't feel safe in the streets. And that's if you why, don't feel like you're that's protected. That's why 540,000 have left. People vote with their feet. Absolutely. They leave when they're afraid. Absolutely. I understand we get the congressman on. Yes, we do. We have Congressman oh. Mike Turner, who is, of course, chairman of the House Intel Committee. Congressman, it's great to have you here. And we also, of course, have Judge Richard Weinberg and also Congressman Peter King here in studio. How you doing, Mike? Good, Peter. How are you doing? Good, very good. Thank you, Rita. Great to have you here. You know, you know, this is we're talking about security. Um, it's a huge issue, I think, is our open border. And sadly, you know, there I feel like we are in such a dangerous time, Congressman. We're talking about obviously crime in the streets and backing the blue, as John was just so eloquently saying in that public service announcement. But we need more police, but we also need to close our borders. It is amazing in this climate where we're seeing protests all over the world and in the streets of New York that we have a wide open border and, and huge numbers on the terrorist watch list. Right. Well, you know, obviously, as we're all aware, sadly, this is a policy of the Biden administration where they have reversed the Trump administration's attempts uh, to, to close the border and have an orderly fashion where people could immigrate. Uh, to this this open border policy that's resulted in in nearly 7 million people uh, walking across the border. Uh, They are not just coming from Mexico. They're not coming from just Central or even South America. These are people from coming from around the world. Uh, We're picking up people from China, India, um, Turkey, Africa, who are coming from uh, their home countries into uh, Mexico uh, to take advantage of this Biden administration's open border. Now, the problem with that, as you just said, is that this is a national security issue. When we're not controlling our border, we're not controlling who comes. Uh, the people who, who who just avail themselves that open border are the ones who decide. It includes people who have been on the terrorist watch list, and um, even uh, people from China have been walking across the border, uh, posing a great national uh, security threat as an addition, a threat to our local communities as they're feeling the burden of these migrants. Uh, Chairman, this is Pete King. First of all, congratulations on the great job you're doing. Thank God you're there. Uh, how serious do you sure. think uh, a threat is, I say, from Hamas within our borders? I mean, even before all these uh, tragedies started, you know, there was a Hamas presence, a Hezbollah presence, Al-Qaeda, ISIS. Where do you see the situation right now, Mike? Well, I think it's dire. I mean, with, uh, with the, the millions of people that have gone across the border, we have seen um, people, again, who are on the terrorist watch list, but but we have seen um, that there are individuals who are crossing the border who mean harm to the United States. And without an, even an ability to track them, we don't know what, what they're doing or what their organizational structure is. But one thing that we know, they're not coming here of their own accord. Uh, they're funded, they're organized and structured. There's human trafficking that also occurs. Uh, the individuals that are coming across our border um, are, are doing so at, at a great risk to the United States. And uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, you have a question yes. for uh, the chairman, of course, Congressman Mike Turner. Good to talk to you again, Mr. Chairman. What I want to know from you is my, my concern about the fact that we now have a developing fifth column in the United States 
of people coming from the Middle East who are anti-Israel, anti-Jewish. They're, they're rioting in the, in the streets. They're taking over. The, they closed down Grand Central Terminal. They closed down the Brooklyn Bridge. You saw what just happened in Russia where they attacked a, a plane looking to kill Jews coming off a plane from Tel Aviv to Russia. What are we doing about that kind of fifth column that's developing? Because we're not screening those people either from the Middle East. Right. Again, this is one of those failed uh, Biden policies that we're seeing uh, unfold on, on our streets of both open borders and uh, not, not controlling immigration, but even more so. And this is what I think our, our great concern is. You know, we, we uh, in this country embrace the ability for people to use their First Amendment rights, for people to speak up, for to have a, a varied group of opinions. But what we're seeing and what we have to be concerned with is actual organized groups that are funded, that we're of you know, some of which have funding from outside the United States, that, that are here um, and are, are doing so in ways where we have to worry about what what are those structures that are supporting them and what is our risk to, to our national security. This administration needs to be understanding uh, what are these structures. Uh, you know, after 9-11, we did a significant amount of effort of trying in counterterrorism to to understand the risks and and the presence in our own country and to be able to respond to it. And I think uh, this administration is just asleep at the wheel. You know, um, we heard um, just a little bit ago from Prime Minister Netanyahu, and it was so forceful, uh, Congressman uh, Mike Turner, when he was speaking. He was saying, this is a fight for civilization. This is a fight against humanity versus barbarism. And he also said, listen, uh, everybody in the world better hope that we win this fight against Hamas, because if not, they're coming for you. Uh, do you believe that, too? <clears throat> You know, we're really seeing in, in all of the conflicts that are going on around the world right now that there's this challenge of authoritarian regimes, um, terrorist groups and organizations against democracies. And, you know, Peter King, when he was before our Intelligence Committee at the beginning of the year, we invited you know, four members of the Intelligence Committee to come in and to, as we launched our year and to talk to us about where we needed to focus. Uh, and Peter spoke, uh, you know, very clearly on the issues of needing to focus on counterterrorism, of course, with his uh, understanding of, uh, of New York and 9-11, but also the issues of the, the threats to Israel. And that's what we're seeing in, in, in China, North Korea, uh, Ukraine, uh, which, of course, Iran is in that, uh, that conflict, with Hamas and Hezbollah, which are supported by Iran. Uh, you see these the terrorist groups and organizations, these um, surrogates, uh, franchises, if you will, of authoritarian regimes as um, – um, you know, we, we saw in, in Ukraine and then also, um, you know, actual authoritarian regimes initiating conflict uh, to, to try to weaken democracies. Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and how much how concerned are you getting back to Judge Weinberg's point, uh, Chairman, too, about what's going on at the college campuses? Because it is so alarming uh, that it's even it's infiltrated even you know, you see professors. There were a whole bunch of professors. A hundred yes. professors from Columbia, Mr. Chairman, signed a petition saying it's wrong to go after college students who are saying that Hamas was totally justified in chopping people's heads off, raping women, dragging their naked bodies across the street, burning children alive. That was all OK because this was a military operation. This was not a military operation. 
This was barbarism. This was terrorism. And yet a hundred professors at Columbia say this is just fine. Don't penalize these kids. And, And 15, by the way, 15 members of Congress would not condemn Hamas. They either voted against it or abstained. I mean, what's going on between colleges and Congress? Well, you know, on, on college campuses, when you talk about students, you can talk about the need for education. When you talk about professors, you actually talk about an ingrained bias that is, is very concerned because they're the ones that are, are teaching. Um, and, and they certainly have both the skills to be to be in, informed and, and the resources. But what's very concerning here also is not just, you know, the, um, the, the lack of being able to understand a particular conflict as we're watching it unfold in the Middle East. It's the it's the issue of not even understanding the basic principles of humanity that we, we subscribe to. These are war crimes committed by any nation. They would be war crimes. And to 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 excuse them is to say that our values um, are fluid and our values are not fluid. And, and you know, certainly uh, the United States stands for, uh, you know, as the as, as Israel is, is uh, prosecuting Hamas in Gaza. Uh, that they lessen uh, uh, casualties and the impacts on, on civilians. Similarly, um, you know, when we look at, at all areas of conflict, uh, we have to understand that our, our commitment is to humanity. Yeah, 1,000%. Well, Congressman Mike Turner, the chairman there of the Intel Committee, it's so great to have you here. We really appreciate you being on the show, and you got to come back on again soon. It's always great, Mike. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank Take you. care, Peter. Thank you very, very much. Well, big news today. Yeah, great guy. And it was great to get his thoughts on where we are, Pete, especially Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, he was giving you compliments. I wasn't sure about that part, but the rest of it I thought no, he was, was great. Right. He's right about Congressman <laughs> King. He, Peter King deserves those compliments. He, okay. I'll, I'll he, does, he does deserve them. Uh, we are talking now also about big news coming out, of course, from Israel. Uh, huge news today that an Israeli IDF, a female soldier who was taken captive by Hamas on October 7th, uh, was freed. Uh, apparently by going in, by the Israelis going in on the ground, uh, they were able to get her captors and most importantly, get her freed. Uh, joining us now to talk about the strategy of what Israel is doing, the sort of back and forth, it seems, into Gaza, the northern part, is General Jack Keane. Of course, he was the vice chief of staff for the U.S. Army, and we are thrilled to have him Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, recipient, also chairman of the Institute for the Study of War. Great to have you here, General Oh, delighted to be here. Thank you. General John Katsimatidis, uh, I understand that uh, the uh, Israeli Defense Forces have a new strategy. Uh, they're not going in to invade and, and stay. They go in and they hit. They they take what they take, uh, get whatever prisoners back, and, and uh, sort of retreat. Uh, have you uh, heard anything of this new strategy? Um. Yeah, they, they've modified their original strategy. It's not quite as, as you describe it. Uh, let me see if I can uh, make sense of it for you. Um, the, what, what they're dealing with, certainly, uh, is a couple of realities. They know full well if they conduct an overwhelming uh, assault into Gaza with all of their combat power, uh, the casualties of their own forces are likely uh, to be a little bit greater, and they're going to inflict more civilian casualties, and they also will put the hostages at risk. I think the more they thought about it, 
And let's face it, I mean, give the Israelis some credit. Given this barbaric, savage, brutal attack that took place on October the 7th, um, it, three weeks later is what we're, uh, two plus weeks later, excuse me, is what we're talking about uh, when they really began the beginnings of a ground operation. And those were raids. A raid is where you go in, do something specific based on intelligence, and come back out. And now they're going in to stay, but they're doing it slow and gradually, not in overwhelming force and not with an intensity to move quickly. And they're moving slow and gradually with a smaller force, I think, to encircle Gaza City, which is the center of gravity for Hamas's command and control, much of its infrastructure, but not all of its infrastructure. And, and as opposed to going block by block and building by building, lay siege to it and go slowly in dealing with this. They recognize that the operation, John, will take weeks and months, and they want to preserve the amount of casualties they take. They, they cannot do what they did in the past, two to three weeks, go hard and fast. <clears throat> because the let's face it, Given the October 7th attack and given the assistance that that attack had by by Iran and some of the imagination that it displayed in overcoming the Israeli high-technology wall and their other security services uh, defenses, the, the reality is that they know full well that the Hamas has been prepared for a rather significant Israeli attack. So I think what what the Israelis have had to come to grips with is, one, there's going to still be significant population left because the Egyptians will not open uh, the gate and establish refugee camps in Egypt uh, for the Gazans, which I think is pretty outrageous, to be frank about it. And, you know, so our audience understands. So, so they're using the, the, they're using the Gazians, the Gazian people, the Palestinians – as uh, a barricade to say, uh, uh, if you guys, if the if the Israelis come in, we're going to kill them. Yeah, I mean the the uh, what what the Egyptians concern is they have two. One, their economy is in a tank; they don't want to pay for it. But the Arabs would pay for it. The refugee camps, the UN would supervise it. They're concerned about Hamas staying being on Egyptian territory. Mm-hmm having a relationship with the Muslim Brotherhood, which is the regime that they, Assisi, deposed, that really is their fundamental issue. And I understand it. I'm sympathetic to it, but I think there are ways to solve that with biometrics. Don't need to get into it in the detail in a short period of time, but I think those, those are, are resolvable. So what the Israelis' problem have always had with the Gazan Strip is when they're conducting urban warfare, it's unprecedented to have that amount of population still present. When you look at Mariupol in Ukraine, which we all saw, and Bagmut, a much smaller city, it was a ghost town. The people fled, except for some people who personally wanted to stay and take the risk. And the same thing when we operated in Fallujah, in Iraq, the people were gone. I mean, they, they understood the obvious. When the artillery starts to fall and the airstrikes start to happen, you've got to get out of here. So the Israelis are dealing with, even still to this day, even though they tried to move the population south, the estimates are there are as much as 300,000 people 
still in the main effort sector that they want to go into. So That's would you really say, General, everybody's doing damage control. When that, they're not going in there with a full-scale war. They're doing hit and run. They're doing whatever they can. Uh, that way the, the uh, war does not escalate to further things. No, no, I'm not minimizing the the combat that's going to take place where the fighting force is. That will be intense combat. And I think what they want to do is go slower so they can encircle the city, be very deliberate about it. And they, they've they got a couple things on their mind. One, they, they, they've never been in Gaza for months. It's always been in and out. They want to. They want to preserve the amount of casualties that they take. I mean, their army is very large by comparison to the size of their population. And we all know full well what uh, 1,400 people killed means to a population of that size, and it's been adequately described by comparison to ours. So that's number one. And number two, uh, they also believe that they have a much better chance of getting hostages back if they move in a much slower, gradual, more deliberate manner. And the third thing is they fully recognize that, you know, Hamas government, Hamas terrorist leaders weaponize the civilian population and use it internationally against them. I mean, they've they've lived with this uh, for decades, and they understand what that means to them as well. So I think they've made some some pretty good decisions here in terms of, uh, of what they're coping with. And, and, and it, the reality is they also do not want Hezbollah coming into the war. Right. They're so trying to, another- yeah, they're trying to do that balancing act. Uh, General Jack Keen, yeah. we so appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for being with us, General. Oh, always good talking to you, Rita, John, and the rest of your, your great team there. Thank, Thank you. you, General. Thank you. Wow, uh, interesting. So I am happy they got that hostage out. That hopefully is a good sign well, for some of the others. We're going to take a break now, and we're going to come back with... We are talking to uh, Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, who says uh, the bad guys are always going to get a control of the guns, but the good the guys got to keep their guns. The bad guys always uh, have Yes, guns. And, and there's been so many discussions after the main always mass shooting. Guns. She's saying this is not a time yeah. for people to be vulnerable. Let's go to that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. We are talking about even the history of taking away guns. Uh, first off, like let's Lenin in 1920. Simply owning a gun resulted in a six-month prison stint. Uh, Stalin inherited that and continued on it. Then there was Hitler, uh, John, in 1933. Uh, he did it also in my father's homeland of Poland, uh, took away all the guns there, too. Uh, then Mao in 1949. And sadly, you look at the history and the repercussions of what happened when a citizenry was left defenseless. Uh, and joining us now to talk about all of this and obviously also the main mass shooter, because it is, again, rejuvenated among Democrats. The gun debate is Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith, my dear friend. Uh, she is the spokesperson with the National Police Association. Betsy, what do you say to people who say, 
okay, uh, there was a mass shooting, take the guns away, especially right now at such a dangerous time in America? Well, Rita, we had mass shootings in Tampa, Chicago, Indianapolis, and Chula Vista, California weekend. Anybody talking about those? They're not, because those are all in blue cities with extraordinary gun control, like my native Chicago. So we know that gun control doesn't work. We've got to stop talking about the guns. We have to start talking about the fact that evil exists and we need to deal with mental illness in this country. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we were talking about some of the history, too, here, Betsy, too, before we get to the main mass shooting. I, I mean, you look at the history, and, and I brought up Poland. My father remembers when, you know, when the Germans came in, they took away the guns. They took away this. They did that, of course, to the Jewish population. Then they did it to the Polish Catholic population. So they were left defenseless. And then Mao did it to the Chinese. They, they keep mm-hmm. away, before dictators go in to do what they want to do, They take away the guns from legitimate people. And in Israel, I understand the people that had guns and realized what there was going in, they protected their families. Yeah, in the kibbutzes. Did you hear this, uh, Betsy? In the kibbutzes where they actually had the guns, they were, lives were saved. Men and women in Israel that day who were armed and trained and were able to have their firearms at home or get their hands on them in the armories of the kibbutzes. They were able to save lives, sometimes their own, sometimes that of families. We Remember, this country was founded on an armed citizenry. That's how we began. We The, the point of, I'm so tired of hearing people talk about the Second Amendment uh, in relationship to deer hunting. I'm a deer hunter, uh, but the reason we have the Second Amendment is that, so if it becomes necessary, we can fight back against a tyrannical government. And right now is not the time to give up our guns and all of these gun laws and gun free zone laws that we have in this country do nothing to protect law abiding citizens and they do everything to make it easier for criminals and more difficult for people like you guys and me to protect ourselves. Betsy, I live at a beach house and years ago, about five, six, seven years ago, somebody broke in. And, you know, I went after him with a, with, with uh, whatever, yelling and screaming, and the guy ran away. But if I live on a beach house, and so I, now I live with a gun underneath my pillow. And I, I've said this before many, many times. Because if somebody came into the house and wants to do my family harm, and I call 911, it'll be a half hour, 45 minutes before they get there. And, and, and mm-hmm. my family, if they were killers, my family would be dead. And you are absolutely right. And that is why that is one of the many reasons why the National Police Association is the most pro Second Amendment police organization in this country. You know, we always hear, oh, you know, police chiefs want uh, more gun control. Yeah. Police chiefs in blue cities. Yes, they do. Police officers, the 750,000 boots on the ground cops in this country, they like armed and trained citizens because they know that it may take them a while to get to where you need us. Betsy, one more question. Uh, Fox Business reported the other day, and it was a part of it, uh, that it said that most U.S. civilian firearms exports have been halted for 90 days by the Commerce Department. What does that Mm -hmm. mean? 
You know, my husband and I just had this discussion this morning. I have trained the Commerce Department police officers in the past and had discussions with them about, uh, you know, what exactly they do. And that is their job. They regulate firearms uh, sales and shipments, uh, you know, in and out of the United States. And I'm not I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure what the Biden administration is up to. Um, by stopping the export of firearms? Is that because uh, Israel uh, had a large shipment order? Is it because Hamas and Hezbollah had a shipment order? Iran had a shipment order. This is the thing, and this is what the Commerce Police told me a few years ago, that when someone of a, you know, some foreign national orders firearms, they try to pay close attention to that, but they don't always catch it. Or they order them through law enforcement uh, circles, through law enforcement gun sellers, and they go to, uh, you know, places where they shouldn't be going to. So I'm not sure it's nefarious, and I'm hopeful that it's because they're trying, trying to stop small arms from getting to the United States into the hands of terrorists. Well, Betsy, uh, please keep us informed. Text us uh, whenever there's new information around. We'd like to have you on more often. Rita, you have her uh, numbers and everything? I sure do. I love that. Okay, we love you and we (laughs) want you to keep the American people informed because if they're trying to take away guns from legitimate citizens, because the crooks will always have guns. The criminals will always have guns. Yeah, you don't want to be in a defenseless position. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, you're terrific, my friend. Come back on again soon, okay? Talk soon, Rita. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank Very you so much. much. Wow, really powerful discussion. Wow. That was a, you know, listen, it's it's the truth. It is. It is. I a- mean, I, I tell the truth to people. And right now, John, where people are so worried about crime and everything else, uh, that it is the, uh, not the time the to be failure, taking away guns the from good law-abiding citizens. was letting this guy out and not notifying law enforcement so they could get a search warrant to seize the guns. That was the failure. Number one, letting him out. And two, not giving a heads up to law enforcement to go in and confiscate the guns. But that the was Democrats make it sound like a gun suddenly, miraculously, you know, goes off. It's uh, like let's, not let's the person. Let's take a break. And when we come back... We're coming back with. We have uh, City Councilwoman Vicki Palladino because crime is on and, the ballot. And I, get, I, I hope she likes my new uh, commercial. People that uh, uh, like uh, support our police. Yes, that was a great commercial. Vote for yes. Vicki Palladino because she supports the police, right? Big time. And we're going to be talking about that Let's after the break. break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby, law and order on the ballot and supporting our police as the city council races are taking place next week. Early voting's already started. Uh, just a few days ago. And joining us now is Councilwoman Vicki Palladino. She represents Whitestone College Point, uh, Bayside in the Eastern Queens area, Republican. And Vicki, um, I know how much supporting police is important to you. First, tell us about your race. And then I want to hear uh, from you what we were talking about earlier. Others that are on the ballot that support the blue, that people need who are listening now, who need to get out and vote. John just started this great PSA mm-hmm. campaign about getting people out. Uh, but this, I feel like, is such an important time. 
Oh, it's a do or die. I mean, hallelujah. Hello, John. How are you? Rita, one week out. uh, How am I? I'm excited. I'm motivated. Everybody is extremely motivated for what they're calling, you know, a very low turnout race. You know, there's nothing on the ballot other than DA. So city council is uh, next up. And I have to say here, John and Rita, for us, it's all about quality of life. And, uh, you know, we did a little survey. We found, but much to my surprise, that crime wasn't right at the top. And I want to clear this up for people. Unless you have quality of life, what brings quality of life? Having enough police on the street to fight the crime that's going on every single day in every single neighborhood, no matter where you live. No matter what type of crime it is, whether it's murder, shoplifting, uh, people riding scooters on sidewalks, you know, there's so many different levels. If there are not enough police to endorse and follow through and, and carry out what they need to do, our police are handcuffed. So that ties in with quality of life. There is no quality of life without police. Hey, Vicky, this so, is Pete King. What are you hearing on the street? What I'm hearing on the streets is, Vicky, what can we do to get more cops? What can we do to get more police? And I'm going to tell you, it's disheartening because nobody wants to be a police officer anymore. And it's very difficult for these young people, 23, 24, 19, whatever age they are, early. Their parents are actually telling them, because of the ridiculous lawlessness that we have and we've passed in city council, where you could get away with anything, including murder, they're telling their kids not to become police officers. So what once was a city that had 3,000 2,800 graduates uh, from the police academy to hit the streets. We're down to three, six, and 700 kids graduating. We're never going to fill the deficit unless we could get them enticed enough to want to join the force. Yeah, that's and, so and, and important. We're losing, we're losing so many professionals. We're losing so many uh, 20-year people. Uh, that are saying, Correct. you know, they're retiring uh, early. They're, they're saying, not forget retiring it. early, or they're going to work for a police department down in Florida or South Carolina. Or that whatever. appreciates right. them, or even right? Nassau County, or Nassau Suffolk County, County, Suffolk County, yeah. They're going out to Suffolk County. They're making eighty grand right out of the box. So, By the way, so, Frank, so, Frank Morano uh, reminds me it was your birthday over the weekend. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, oh, thanks, John. Yeah, thanks, Rita. Oh, happy birthday! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, the time flies, you know, when you're having fun. So, Vicky, but, uh, Vicky. Uh, Tell us, tell us also for folks listening out there, because early yeah. voting started. We want to get people out to the polls. Who should they be supporting? Yeah, who should they be supporting? Tell us your, your, your colleagues too that you, you were supporting you, Vicky Palladino, right. because you, you want law and order, and Absolutely. you're putting your foot down. Who else of your colleagues are you supporting? Well, uh, of course, there's Ari Kagan uh, over in Brooklyn. Uh, he's going up against Justin Brennan. Super important that Ari keeps his seat as a Republican because we only have six. We cannot afford to lose anybody. Ina Vernikoff, naturally, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Joanne Ariola, Joe Borelli, David Carr. And I hope for the uh, council to grow. Chrissy Ma- uh, Mamorado over in the 13th District in the Bronx. Uh, I'd like to see people get out and vote for her. We'd like to grow, you know, uh, and not shrink in numbers. Uh, Ari's got a fight on his hands. 
I'd like to see people get out and vote. Uh, it, I look early voting is something I've never pushed ever. I, I think we got to push it now thing. because if but people now get I'm busy, it, John, as hard as I possibly can, yes, I'm going to vote I, early. Yeah, you have to. I you did. can't rely on just election day. Yeah, because if I get let, busy, let something, something happens. I, I might not be able to get there. Yeah, that's there why everybody go. should get out and vote. And now. by the way, Curtis Lewa just walked into the studio, and uh, hey, Curtis, Curtis, welcome to the studio. Well, who was hey, at Curtis. who was at Vicky Balatino's birthday party in Bayside, in Bayside Terrace? <laughs> Curtis Sliwa was, was Curtis there. Sliwa there. You were there for her thirtieth birthday. How beautiful! Yeah, exactly, Rita. Very good thirty. That's right. Vicky, how'd you, how'd you let him in? How'd you let him in? What's that? How'd you let him in? Sorry. My God. Yeah, it, it was what it, I'll tell you. Let 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 me just go back to what we were saying as far as how important early voting is. I was never one to push it. I've pushed it hard. And in my precincts here in Northeast Queens, District 19, my home precinct, uh, my home uh, for early voting is St. Luke's School. And I'm telling everybody who lives in College Point and uh, in Whitestone, we had the biggest turnout for early voting in the entire borough of Queens. We also have my Bayside people who go to KCS. Huge turnout there. And then we have a smaller precinct at Queens Co- Queensboro College where my Douglas and Little Neck people go. Well, but the that is great. Was huge. It was great. We broke records. Yeah, make sure we so, get everybody to vote early and yes. get the votes in. And Curtis Lee, Curtis, you're out there in the streets. How many candidates are you supporting to, to make sure that they protect and, and vote for uh, for? Uh, their their district to be safe. I've got about a Both dozen, yeah. a dozen that could make a difference in city council. Tell, tell us by borough. Ah, well, uh, starting uh, borough of uh, Staten Island, Republicans didn't even run a candidate in the North Shore. You say to yourself, what? Uh, so, Rusalan Shamal, I had to run him as an independent candidate on the safe Staten Island Street uh, party line. The big battle for me, Astoria. Kelly Klingman is taking on AOC's mini-me, Tiffany Kaman. In city council, nobody hates the cops more than Tiffany Kaman. She doesn't want any cops, never mind defund the cops. No prisons, no cash bail. So that's the big battle that I'm focused on. Astoria, vote for Kelly Klingman. By the way, first candidate ever to run on the animal welfare line. Yesterday, John, National Cat Day. All the cats were purring and meowing. Curtis, who else are you supporting? Oh, we go right on down the line. Ari Kagan, that's the heavyweight battle. Justin Brannon was on with Rosanna Scotto. And one thing you know, John, you don't lie to Rosanna Scotto. He was on Channel 5. He said, oh, no, I didn't vote to defund the police. And was that a lie? Uh, Of course. She said, I got the document right here. Oh, I hate when people do that. When I interview people and you're like, wait a minute, here's the proof. So then they they should should vote for Ari Kagan. Oh, Ari Kagan, without a doubt. And Paul Rodriguez, Paul Rodriguez, who ran. We got two minutes before the break. Obviously, Vicky Palladino. Vicky Palladino, without a doubt, slam dunk against Tony Avella. That'll be a big race because he's an experienced uh, dem. And he has socialists supporting him now. Remember, it was the socialists who kicked him out of the state senate. When he was a member of the IDC, well, what the hell does he care? He just wants to get back into office. He declared himself the city councilman in exile when uh, 
when Vicky Palladino was sworn in by Rudy Giuliani. Then over in Sunset Park, that's a real big battle. We have Paul Rodriguez, who's run for city controller, state controller, good Republican, against Aviles, socialist down to the, the, the DNA of her bones. You got to come out for Paul Rodriguez. And we're, we're going to list. We should actually have a list. Yes. Before you go in to see where your city council yes. races. Unfortunately, some city council races, there are no candidates. Staten Island, there are no candidates running. And that includes for Democrats versus Republicans. Wow. Because they take the attitude, you scratch my belly, I scratch yours. We don't run a candidate against you. You don't run a Curtis, candidate against you. Have anybody we need in Brooklyn? a list. You know you what? Have anybody in Brooklyn that you support? Oh, I said Ari Kagan is the oh, big well, race. Yes, Paul Rodriguez is the super big race because he's going up against the socialists. You, know you, you know what? There yeah. needs to be a big a public list out there. Not just even saying it, but there should be a list where people go, okay, who backs the blue? Who supports law and order? Who supports your community? How, by the way, how is early voting so far? Any idea? Miserable, I know it just started. Miserable. Oh, people got to get out and vote. People got to get out and vote. You know, the biggest enemy we have is apathy and indifference. And that's true of Democrats, too. People don't trust their politicians. When I talk to them, I say, are you going to vote? Ah, they're all crooks. What good What good is voting going to do? Curtis, we got 30 seconds. Any more names? Uh, you want the, the big name uh, that you pull out of the hat? You go into Manhattan. In fact, you had a situation where the mother and daughter were in here with Sid Rosenberg. He couldn't even interview the daughter against Gail Brewer because the daughter was Miss New York. And he was just like, oh, he was like panting, and he was like all emotional. So, look, we're going to put out a list, John. We're going to make Get sure that everybody knows. We'll WABC will take a, a full page. I got the, the dozen. Post. I got the dozen. Get us the good dozen. The good dozen. The clean and, dozen that want to support the police. And, also, and we'll do a whole page in yes. the New York Post tomorrow. And also, by the way, right, Vicky Palladino. Vicky Palladino. Vicky, you got to give us uh, also some names on your end, too, please, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to say education is key. And that's the no, we're on crime. We're on the key to keep people safe. That's it. Let's take that's a it. break. And Vicky, we're thank come you. Back Good luck, Riley. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on seventy-seven WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. We are talking about law and order, and also all the protests. In the streets uh, over the weekend, uh, the Grand Central Station was shut down during rush hour. The Brooklyn Bridge was taken over. Uh, and joining us now to talk about all this and so much more, and he had a great show, by the way, in Long Island, which we'll talk about, too, a sellout crowd. Bill O'Reilly, of course, host of Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. And, again, another big best-selling book. His book is on the New York Times bestseller list, Killing the Witches. Uh, Bill, uh, before we get to, to the serious stuff, uh, you had a serious crowd out there. It was packed and I'm jealous because Pete and, uh, and John said it was awesome and Margo too. Absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You know, we had a good time and, uh, it was interesting to hear, uh, John Casamitidis' um, public service announcement in the beginning of the program. Because what it really comes down to in New York now, if you want to just strip away all the BS, which I always want to do, is right and wrong. So if you hurt another person, if you commit a crime, which is what crime is, you're hurting another person or the city, um, then you should be held to account. But that doesn't happen. So that's why we have disorder. And the show on Friday 
was basically <clears throat> Sid Rosenberg and I took you through our lives, our upbringing, our education, and how it was so different way back in the Stone Age. But um, there was a code of right and wrong, and that's evaporated and disappeared. Now, it sounds heavy, but we did it funny, um, and that's why the show was successful, I think. Yeah, everybody said it was great. You know, Bill, what's your reaction to, like, what we're seeing, Grand Central Station closing down, Brooklyn Bridge, I'm sure you saw even overseas over the weekend. I mean, this is terrifying. There were thousands of people, like, at a Russian airport chasing after a plane that they thought had landed from Tel Aviv into Russia. Um, these Muslims shouting, I mean, shouting, they had knives and guns saying, we want to kill the Jews. It, it, it broke my heart, Bill. Well, that's a hot, in Russia, that's a very strident Muslim situation there. In New York City, with the uh, social media component, it's easy to get 5,000 people out there to disrupt anything. It's the same people we're doing the George Floyd, uh, George Floyd stuff or doing this Hamas stuff. It's the same crew. Um, there are a little bit of a difference, but not much. So, yeah, everybody meet at Grand Central Station. We're going to, you know... Uh, um, Hector the computer uh, commuters and, and make it hard to get in and out of there. And there they are. I don't think it's that many people, Rita. I mean, I've been doing some investigating, and it's very, it's a very militant, progressive crew. But even on the college campuses, they get all the attention because they're the ones that are whipping up the controversy, and the media pays attention to them. Not to diminish it, um, certainly the colleges like Columbia and Cooper Union, NYU, are absolutely run by progressive loons. And anybody thinking about going there ought to know that. Even Marist College, as I mentioned, up in Poughkeepsie, which was a working-class school at one time, it's an insane asylum up there now because these progressive people run it, and that's what they do. They just stir up trouble against anybody they don't like, and they think that Israel is a fascist country. Hey, Bill, this is Pete King. Bill, you you spoke about Marist College the other night, how they sort of betrayed their... uh... Uh, beginnings. I, I graduated from Notre Dame Law School. That if you want to go out, I can get your tickets to their drag queen show they're having next week at Notre Dame. You're kidding me. No. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. The world is collapsing <laughs> no, all mean, around right. us, Bill. Right. Notre Dame isn't nearly as bad as B.C. and Georgetown. That's true. Boston College and Georgetown. So you get these people in control um, who really fervently believe that America is a bad country and Israel is a bad country. And then they spread that, and the minority of, you know, people who believe that kind of nonsense pick it up, and they can all gather and cluster because of social media, and that's what we got. Bill, it's Richard It's Richard Weinberg. Do you know about those 100 college professors at Columbia who said that you shouldn't uh, go after the college kids who endorsed the Hamas terror, the kids who saying that they're totally justified in attacking Israel, beheading people, raping women, burning children alive, and these college professors at Columbia saying it's perfectly acceptable to do that? Well, I don't know if they're saying it's perfectly acceptable. They want a free pass is what they want. And they got it in the George Floyd riots, which is really interesting. On Common Sense Tonight at 9 o'clock on WABC, I make the analogy If you were a rioter and a looter after George Floyd got killed, you were given a 100% pass. Okay? You could do whatever you wanted to do. I remember when they were rioting at the White House, and they had to take President Trump down into the the basement where uh, 
where in case yeah. of nuclear attack, and and not not one of them got arrested. I don't think. And and that's what the progressive left wants to see again, but it's not happening. So even though these nutty professors write what they write, there are a number of businesses who will not hire these pro Hamas kids, and the kids ought to know that. Yeah, there's been that a lot of backlash. Much more likely to pay a price. And uh, Bill, we just have a little bit left. I want you want to talk real quick about Kamala Harris. Sixty minutes, real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an interesting interview. Again, we'll run a couple of clips on uh, on it tonight at nine o'clock. But the woman never has anything to say. I mean, simple as this: the, the board is a wreck. Uh, how come? And she goes, "Well, it's Congress's fault." Okay, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, but they're propping her up because they're worried about Biden. And that's why that 60 Minutes thing happened last night. Because she doesn't usually do interviews. Friendly interview. Uh, Whitaker was very friendly to her. Compare what Leslie Stahl did with Trump to what Bill Whitaker did with Kamala. So it was a setup. I don't know if it was a setup, John, but it certainly there were bounds. And the White House wants to get Kamala Harris. They want to rehab her image. And that was step one. Called softballs, I guess, Bill, right? <laughs> Bill, well, thank- I don't think Biden's going to make it. No. And if, if she has to take over and they want to kind of boost her up, that's what that was all about. What uh, nice. All I can say is, oh, my God. Yeah, pray. Bill, thank you. Everybody's great singing show, your Bill O'Reilly. It was a great show. Right. I enjoyed it very much. Congrats, Thanks, Bill. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the, the American, American way. way. We need God's blessing. God, please hear us. 50,000 watts all the way to the solar system, as Larry Kudlow would say.